If you like to read, I'm going to share with you 10 non-music books that every musician should read. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit, episode number 41. I am David Lane, your host, and it is great to be with you once again. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, This is the first podcast episode of the fall of 2023, which means the Musician Toolkit has been around for at least a portion of four different seasons now. So coming up on a year and just a few months from now. So thank you to everyone who's listening to this for the first time, the second time, or if you've been with this podcast since the beginning, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just thank you for all of the shares that you've done on this podcast and of the individual clips that we include throughout the week after each episode. By the way, you can follow me and the podcast in various places on Instagram or TikTok at David Lane Music. You can follow me on Facebook at David M. Lane Music. I'm on some other platforms as well, but those are the primarily the places I talk about the podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, I do post about the I post all of the podcasts there on my channel at David Lane Music One. Okay, I feel like this is famous last words, but uh, uh, because it almost never ends up being the case when I say this, but I do think that today is kind of a short episode, so we'll see how short it is. Uh, but I just want to share with you ten books that I recommend that musicians read. So if you're a musician, I recommend these books. There are different categories, and by the way, just as a preamble, I read quite a bit. There are very few years uh, this century that I haven't read at least 100 books in a year. Now, I do. I am one of those I count audiobooks as reading. Some people don't. Uh, I mix audiobooks. I have some ebooks, and uh, you know, if you see any of the clips from this podcast, you'll see there's a bookshelf behind me. I love books. I love to read. And I read a number of different types of books. When it comes to fiction, I like uh, I like good literature. I like the classics. I love science fiction. I love horror, thriller. Uh, it just really depends on my mood. I love to read books about history. I love reading books about science. I love good biographies. And I also read a lot of books on psychology, self-help, and business. So I'm sure in the future, I'm probably going to come back to this. I'm going to offer you some more book suggestions, like specific books about music. And, and also maybe, you know, just for fun, a list of some fiction books that include, that speak about music or have musicians as characters or some, you know, something that I find fun. But for today, I wanted to include 10 books I recommend musicians read that are not specifically about music at all. But they speak to a mindset, they speak to a psychology or a business sense or some kind of approach that will help you in your mindset, in your growth as a musician. Now, there might be a little bit of recency bias with this list because all but one of the titles I'm going to recommend are books that I have read this decade. So there's only one that predates the pandemic that I'll I'll get around to sharing. So this is in no specific order. This is just kind of as the list came to mind. So uh, I'm not saying that number one is any more valuable than number 10. So I'm just going to give these in kind of a random order. Number one is the book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway 
by Susan Jeffers. Now, this book was originally published in 1987, and I don't think I've ever read a book where the title gives so much away of the premise. Again, the title is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. So, what Susan Jeffers is saying is that a lot of times we feel like if we can just get over our fear, we could do the thing we're afraid of. But this book makes point after point of saying that it's the other way around. You're going to be waiting a long time if you're waiting to get over your fear before you do something that you're afraid of. Progress and courageous leaps happen when you acknowledge that you're afraid, when you acknowledge the fear, and then you go ahead and do it anyway. I remember when I was 16, I was at a water park. Um, I could look it up, but I think it was called Adventure Landing or Adventure Island. It was It's in Tampa. If you're in Tampa, you know what I'm talking about. It's a huge water park. There's there's a water slide there. I couldn't tell you how how large it was. <laughs> but um, I got to the top, and I looked down, and I just said, there, there's just no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And I was really thinking about going against traffic with the line of people behind me to get back down, rather than go down that water slide. Uh, I, I was I was terrified of that. I, I'm not a great swimmer. I, I've never been comfortable going underwater and, you know, it wasn't my idea to come to this park in the first place. Uh, but I had a friend with me and he was, you know, kind of urging me along. And like most teenage guys, I, I felt what would be profound, profound embarrassment if I managed to get through a sea of people behind me to get back down that ladder and not go down the slide. So I said something to myself, a uh, maybe a two-word phrase uh, that I won't repeat on this family-friendly f- podcast, and I just kind of ran into it. I just went down that slide. And it was fun. It was fun enough that I actually went back up and did it again. I didn't wait till I got over my fear of everything. The height kind of going submerging in water for a bit. <laughs> I went down that slide. Some of you, maybe you are dealing with stage fright. And maybe you found if you do have stage fright, it doesn't really go away. You don't ever get to a point to where you're feeling uh, fully comfortable with it. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, I've been, for this podcast and my other one, Life in the Pit, I've been I've interviewed quite a few guests since 2020. And when I come to this microphone and I log on and I get ready to chat with a guest, I doubt myself just about every time. I... I'm thinking, will I sound even remotely interesting as a host? Will I be able to say good questions? Will I be able to follow up? Will I give this guest everything that they're hoping for when they agreed to come onto my podcast? And if I wait for that fear to go away, it's not going to happen. Okay, so I've, <laughs> I just went on about the title, the premise of the book. One thing I, I like about this book is that it has a lot of actionable lists you know, when it talks about some things that you can do to be more courageous, to, to make bolder decisions, to, to make that progress, sometimes books are lacking in specific advice. And this has a lot of specific numbered actionable lists. And the other thing that it has that I find really helpful is the, the end of each chapter has a summary of what it just talked about. So like you could feasibly 
Uh, I mean, I would recommend reading the whole book, but you could feasibly just look at the last two or three pages of each chapter and get quite a bit out of this book. The second book I'd recommend is called The Right Call, What Sports Teach Us About Work and Life by Sally Jenkins. This is a new release. It came out in June of this year, June 2023, in case you're checking out this podcast in a later date. Now, you may not care for sports, so I don't don't know. If you don't like sports, I'm not sure how much you would like this book. I do like sports. I, I, I don't like... I don't really get into all sports. I'm, I grew up in the South, so uh, I, I love football. I love baseball. I, I do like basketball. I don't have a team that I pull hardcore for. And I am kind of have a passive interest in other sports. There have been times in my life where I've, I've been interested in tennis. I've never really gotten into golf, but plenty of members in my family really like it. But this is a great book that I think you can read and you can come up with a lot of things to extrapolate from its pages. It focuses on several individual athletes from sports and also some coaches and really gets into what makes them great beyond the raw talent. And you'll see a lot of commonalities with what great athletes do to compare to what great musicians do. There's a difference in how they approach practice. There's a profound difference in how they value consistency of showing up each day. And, and a lot of these athletes, they're, they're, they're different. So it's not like if you read what one does, you've read what all of them do, although you'll see some things in common. But if you want to do just a checklist on how you're approaching practice, how you're approaching your goals, I definitely would recommend The Right Call, What Sports Teach Us About Work and Life by Sally Jenkins. The third book was published in 2019, but I f- first read it back in January of this year. And it was a recommendation from a friend and colleague of mine. And it's called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Now, if I have a negative with this book, it's that there's quite a bit of examples dealing with CEOs, positive and negative, of, uh, you know, corporations that I personally didn't find very applicable. But what is applicable is this mindset shift that you can use in virtually every endeavor, whether it's careers, whether it's health, whether it's in your relationships and more. And it's this concept of thinking of what you do as an infinite game rather than a finite game. So what is a finite game? Finite game is if you are a runner and you have a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon, there is a finish line. You'll prepare for it. You'll get, you'll, you'll run that race and, uh, and you'll, you'll finish well, or you'll finish poorly. You'll finish in the middle, but you'll definitely have a, a, a concrete, time to go with that and you've run a specific distance you do it on a specific day and you get to that finish line and you're done and you can have your uh have your water your sports drink your beer your uh, whatever it is you want to do afterwards to celebrate that was a finite game it is done any any type of football game any baseball game so these are finite games playing a piano concert is a finite game. You, you play it from start to finish. But what is an infinite game is the preparation that goes into that. So, for example, if you want to be a good runner for as much of your life as you can, there's that constant training and that constant tweaking to be a little bit better. And so 
if you're a musician, you're not practicing to get to that point to where finally you have it and you can just kind of stay put for a while. There's a reason that your advanced musicians still practice their scales, still practice their etudes. It's not because they're hoping to one day be good enough, but it's because they're still exploring how can they get a little bit better? How can they master some techniques a little bit deeper, a little bit further? When they play pieces they've been playing for a long time and they continue working on them, they're trying to find what are some new things that they can find out about this piece. How can they play it differently than they did 10 years ago? Your relationship whether it be with your significant other or, you know, your parents or your children or your friends, that's an infinite game. You don't reach a finishing point and say, okay, that's did it. I, I've done it. They're my friend or my wife or my husband uh, or my child for life and all is well. You have to constantly be working on that. Some more than others, but you have to be putting some effort into being a better listener into giving some ground when it when it comes to differing opinions and offering forgiveness and receiving forgiveness it's a game that you continue to play and so one of the points of the infinite game is that we have to stop thinking about the goals that matter as something that have an end so we stop thinking about the results and we think more about the process we think more about what are we doing to get to the next step before we go to the step after that and the step after that. So that's The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. The fourth book was published in 2021, and I read it about three months ago, and it's called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. And uh, I have not heard this author's name pronounced. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to butcher it probably. I think it's Greg McCown. It is G-R-E-G Greg M-C-K-E-O-W-N. And this, I think, is really highly valuable for a musician because, you know, one of the things every performer, every composer wants to do is to get into this flow to where things just feel easy and it doesn't feel like you're struggling so far. So, so this is what the book is about. It's about achieving that sense of effortlessness in all that you do. But it also addresses some other things uh, kind of related to it. And the thing that stuck out with me the most from this book is the idea of having both a minimum standard of measurement to stay on target, but also a maximum standard of measurement to avoid burnout. Like, for example, there's some writers that they say no matter what, no matter how they're feeling, no matter whether it's Christmas, they're going to write 150 or 200 words a day, whatever it is. It's, it's like, no matter what, I'm going to do that. But even if they're feeling really hyped up, really energetic. They're not going to do more than 500 words a day. So those numbers can obviously vary, but that's just kind of a good example. You might say to yourself, no matter what, I'm going to practice my instrument 15 minutes a day. I don't care how tiring I've been. I'm going to spend 15 minutes, but no matter what, I'm not going to practice it more than an hour and a half or two hours, you know, it might, depending on your time and your goals, you know, those, those numbers can obviously change quite a bit. Uh, for a composer, you know, you might say, I'm going to write, I'm going to spend 20 minutes composing each day minimum, but I'm also going to spend one hour maximum. Again, don't take these numbers as suggestions, but what does that second number do? That second number keeps you from exhausting your energy when you don't realize you're doing it. 
you get to that maximum point and you don't realize how much energy that you're you're spending at that moment and what happens more often than not is you go way past it like uh you know you're writing music instead of stopping after one hour it's like you stretched it to two three heck you had the time so you went to four hours and what happens more often than not is you get to that next day or two or three and you're just so tired and you just couldn't even bring yourself to write anything so you don't meet your minimum or if you do meet your minimum, it's all you can do to get there. We don't think about mental tasks the way we do physical. I, I think we understand, you know, that when we're running, if we're trying, if we're kind of regularly running um, a couple of miles on average each day, if we, you know, stretch it to eight to 10 miles one day, we're going to feel it the next several days. If I don't think that surprises us when we overexert ourselves physically. But the same thing happens when you overexert yourself mentally. Consistency is the best long-term strategy. So you need your minimum marker, the one that you know that you can do with just a little bit of effort. And then you need a maximum that's not too far different, but it's kind of in the ideal range. And it's what you say, when I hit this mark, I'm going to stop. And here's the important part, and the book makes this point. You have to have the discipline to stop, even when part of you thinks you could keep going. That's a tough thing to do, and it's, and it's kind of maybe goes against the grain of what we hear in other walks of life. You certainly want to push to the minimum, and you want to do as much as you can within that window. But once you reach that maximum number, make yourself stop. And if you've got some ideas that you just have to get down, write down a few notes, things that you can follow up on the next day. If you're new to this podcast, I don't even know if I've really mentioned this before. I don't really believe in the muse or inspiration. I don't always trust it. Whenever I, an idea hits me and I've just got to write it down, I've too often found that that's not new original music. That's kind of maybe an interpretation of something that I've heard elsewhere. I know that I'm doing a good job of, as a composer if I'm grinding it out. So I'm not fearful of like this great idea that hit me. If I if I get something down, I'll I'll quickly go ahead and play it while I, while I record it, or I'll make some kind of a note that I can follow up on. But stop when it's time to stop and come back the next day. So that is effortless by again the author. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing right. I think he's Scottish. Greg McCown. The fifth book I'm going to recommend is a Dutch book that came out in its original language in 2019. But I think it was just kind of produced in English this year. I, I saw it for the first time available this year. And it's called Grip, The Art of Working Smart by Rick Pasteur. I recommend this book as just kind of a general book for getting more out of your time, for finding the ways that you can handle your to-do to lists, to get organized with everything in your life. It's very similar to another book that I've, I've read and I've recommended before called Getting Things Done by David Allen. But I think that this is kind of taking everything great about that book and adding to it and, and really getting into it. But if you want to grow your life, if you want to be productive in whatever your field is, really highly recommend this book. Again, it's called Grip, The Art of Working Smart and Getting to What Matters Most by Rick Pasteur. And that's P-A-S-T-O-O-R. By the way, I'm going to put links to all of these in the show notes so you can find them 
and uh, go check them out. All right, the next one is a big one, and I've read it twice, and I really can't do justice for a brief discussion here, but I'm going to give, I am going to give you just an overview, and I've mentioned this one at least once before, and I'm sure if you haven't read it already, you've heard of this one. So I first read this in 2019, but I also read it last year, and it's called Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. This is a book I recommend that you get out a notebook or write in the margins and just take notes as you go. If you want to set a good habit, such as practicing or break a bad habit, whatever that may be, this book has some of the best advice out there. And I love the concept of 1% better. And that is whenever you're trying to improve on something, try to get 1% better. Think about that next time you're sitting down to practice or you're sitting down to compose. How can I become 1% better? And not that you have to treat that literally, mathematically, but it's just, it's like a small percentage. It's like you're looking at a staircase and it has 100 steps. You want to take that one step right now. The tagline for this book is Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results. In other words, it's about consistency. It's about moving there slowly, but constantly. So check out Atomic Habits, an easy proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by James Clear. The seventh book that I recommend, I read back in 2021, is called Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. And it's by David Epstein. So to anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, I think just hearing that title, you can understand why I would be interested in this book. What is the point of this podcast? It's that you need a variety of experiences as a musician to collect and to improve as many as you can to become the best overall musician you, you can be, regardless of what you call your main hat, whether you say, I'm a conductor, I'm a, I'm a composer, or... I'm a harpist, or I'm a piano teacher. So this book is, of course, is all about why being a generalist gives you a lot of advantages. And what is a generalist? It's just someone who samples a lot of different things. Someone who is experienced with, a, has a lot of interests, has worked on developing a lot of different skills. In the first chapter, it compares Tiger Woods, who was a specialist, to Roger Federer, who was a generalist and just kind of the different approaches that they each had to their success. But we also know that Tiger Woods was quite overwhelmed and had a lot of stress compared to Roger Federer. He also gives generalist stories of other athletes and artists, you know, including Van Gogh, uh, some Baroque musicians. And I think the most persuasive examples come in the world of problem solving, where, where specialists, including doctors in cardiac care, they miss the best solution because they don't see enough of the big picture. And also, it should be noted that specialization has its place. The author, he doesn't, he doesn't say avoid specialization, but he's a big advocate for what he calls the sampling period, where passion is allowed to be found through trial and error. Try something and see how you like it. If you don't like it, try something else. So I do write reviews for all of the books I read, mainly as notes for myself. And I did note for this that it was a bit rambling. So this book may be a little bit more flawed than the others on this list, but I do think it's very good and definitely worth reading. Books eight and nine are very powerful and ones that I intend to reread. And I haven't read them in a while. So uh, I, I read this next one in 2020, even though it was first published in 2012. 
and it's called The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller. And I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than the main, (laughs) the one thing that this book really tries to talk about is that it challenges you to ask yourself a specific question regards to your life, your career, or really just each day. Each day it's time to do something. What is one thing that you can do right now that having done it will make everything else easier or unnecessary? So that is The One Thing by Gary Keller. This ninth book is one that I own and I plan to reread it. I first read it in 2020, actually January 2020, so this one did predate the pandemic, at least, uh, you know, here in the United States, as far as we know. But this book has been around since 2002, and it's called The War of Art, Winning the Inner Creative Battle by Stephen Pressfield. If you need a book to just kind of give you a kick in the butt each day to get yourself going, super short chapters, this is a book I just highly recommend that you read and you you absorb. Now, I love this book, even though it's in three parts, and I can't say that I get a whole lot out of the third part. Uh, other, others might. I won't even really elaborate. I just think it kind of goes off in a different direction, um, a little bit of a different tone, so, so I'm not really a fan of that section. But the first two sections more than make up for it. The first section is all about the resistance. The resistance is what Pressfield calls that force that keeps you from actually doing what you want to do with your life. And it goes into the numerous examples. What keeps you from doing what you know you want to do, what you know you need to do? There's a lot of things that get in the way, but it's all one type of thing called the resistance. The second section is about professionalism, which even if you don't call yourself a professional musician, you just want to be a good musician, if you act like a professional as much as you can, it will do wonders for your life. I have worked with some community theaters where the director has said, you, you know, to the cast, you all are volunteers. This is a community theater. But I want to run this as if we were professional. I want to treat this production as if we were professional. And when audiences come to see the show, you know, they're genuine when they say this was as good as what they would expect to see in a professional theater. So professionalism, this section is about developing the professional mindset which in its most succinct summary would be do it anyway, regardless of how you feel. And there are so many motivational and powerful examples that he gives you about just showing up, just doing the work. Don't let how you feel that day be a factor. Really, it's kind of related to the first book I recommended, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. In this case, feel the lack of desire, feel the lack of inspiration, and do it anyway. And the 10th book I'm going to recommend, I really had to eeny, meeny, miny, mo by this author because he has two, at least two, really three books that I really enjoy. And he has a podcast I really like too. The author's name is Cal Newport. But the book I'm going to recommend that I think is really essential for musicians is called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for What You Love. In the review that I wrote of this book, I said, um, I should file this under the category of books I wish I had read before college. Follow your passion is not only a myth, but has a very, very poor track record for success. It also has a lot of traps that can be harmful. 
And uh, Newport gives a wealth of examples and resources to show this. He also gives a very good dissection from a variety of career examples of four rules to follow that will more likely lead to success. Newport talks about having very good career capital. It's very pragmatic. It's a, and that's, that's a something I do love in books. I've, I've had people recommend me books before, and I, I find it you know a little bit uh, fanciful, a little bit um, magical thinking is the best way I can describe it. Um, I like books that are sometimes full of hard truths, full of challenges. And so I just want, I want to mention the other book by Cal Newport that I really recommend, and that's called Deep Work, which I believe is also or very similar to the name of his podcast. And it's about getting more out of your time and getting into that flow of work or into the flow of your practice and getting out of that, that shallow time that we sometimes spend where we don't really feel like we're getting things done. It's getting to that point where you really feel like you're getting some things done. So those are the books I want to recommend. And they're the 10 that I recommended because I've read all of them from start to finish. I want to just give an honorable, honorable mention. I'm about 50% done with it. I'm reading it at the moment. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. How World-Class Entrepreneurs Achieve More by Doing Less. And it's written by Benjamin P. Hardy and Dan Sullivan. And really it's just... It's about when you're thinking about your goals, think about how you can 10x them rather than just 2x. So an example of 2x is if you are a teacher, just getting more students. Or if you're a pianist, just get faster with your scale or learn the next hardest piece. 10x requires you to think outside the box and outside of your comfort zone. 10x things is when you try something brand new to learn something more about yourself. So the first time I did a podcast, that was a 10x thing. It's not that you can measure it as 10 times what I was doing before, but it's that it exploded my life. It changed my life to a clear before and after. And then you're just trying to create those moments throughout your life. I'm really loving it and I'm being challenged by it as I read. But again, I'm halfway done, so I can't give a full report on it. But that's my honorable mention. Okay, I believe I failed once again to deliver only <laughs> what I would consider a short podcast episode, but I hope that you find this valuable. Sometimes with these lists, I get them by asking other colleagues, you know, other musicians for their opinions. This is entirely my list. This is all my recommendations. I can't speak for how anybody else thinks about these books, but I am interested. What are non-musician books that has helped you as a musician? If you'd like to share that with your own voice, go to speakpipe.com. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com slash musician toolkit. If you don't feel like that, you just want to send me a message. You can do that on any of the social media or go to davidlanemusic.com slash contact. Fill out the form, send me your recommendation. That's going to wrap up today. If you're a private teacher of any kind, do check out Fonz in my show notes. It's something that can help your life be easier in terms of your admin time, the time that you're investing in scheduling and collecting payments. It's things I don't even think about anymore because it's all right there for me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with at least one other person. If you're on YouTube, please click the thumbs up and subscribe. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back with you again next week.